Welcome to SBL Perspectives, the pulse of school business. In the official podcast of ASBO International. The official podcast. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell, here along with the esteemed... John Bricado. Still sick, by the way. Yes, I see you still a little bit. But you know what? On the upswing. Yeah, you know <laughs> what? I mean, you don't... You don't have that kind of voice where it's like, who is this guy on? It's not John. <laughs> Who's this stranger? <laughs> it's not JB. No, but yeah. um, but John, I listen. I, I get so excited sometimes. I can't even speak. I just I'm freezing up here. This to me is one of our best podcasts, only because no, listen. I'm not saying the content. I'm not talking about like best practices, things like that. But the story, right? Like yeah, you story. know, the stuff that comes out of it. The things you learn about the differences between, you know, the coast. Uh, so without giving away, let our listeners, let, sorry, let our listeners know who we have in store for today. Yeah, you nailed it, Jack. And I think it also really speaks to the importance of this podcast and bringing us together across the United States and the world. So today we have Dr. Victor Hayek. We met him with the editorial advisory committee with ASBO International a month or so back and uh, really found his story fascinating. It was a pleasure meeting him at the time. And it's even more of a pleasure to bring him on and allow him to share his story with all of you today. So moving from the East Coast in New Jersey all the way out to the West Coast in California, yeah. he's done it all. Uh, and you'll, it you'll all. get a glimpse Literally. of that. You'll get a glimpse <laughs> of that in the episode. So we're really excited to bring you this episode today. And here's our conversation with Dr. Victor Hayek. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Victor Hayek. Victor is the Deputy Superintendent and Chief Business Official at the Conejo Valley Unified School District in California. Victor, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Victor. Thanks for having me. How are we doing, Dr. Hayek? I'm doing good. Good seeing you guys again. Good to see you. Same yeah, we just saw you each other in uh, Virginia. I got to tell you, looking at you on the screen, you still got that California smile. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. right. uh, man, I envy you so much. I love the California just Stayed came back so. for a few days in uh, Palm Springs, so it was the oh, sun. oh, not day. bad, <laughs> even better. See, I knew it. This on the giant his face. He got to glow. He's relaxed. Yeah, right? so he's, he's lit like, up, feeling he's good. He's not in school business mode right now. Right. <laughs> well, neither am I. I got it on a T-shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so listen, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, we really connected well last month. Um, you know, with the with the committee, that was awesome. I mean, the feedback we received from that. Um, you know, with the editorial advisory committee, it was, was so awesome in Virginia. So, and it was so great meeting because now uh, we have the opportunity to to get you on and let our listeners know who you are because you, um, you know, as everyone else, we're all peers, but there's an importance to what you do as we all, as we all do, but just your story in itself. So um, with that, not jumping around, always start the way we should, you know, if you can, you know, maybe just sort of like, just give us, you know, a little bit of your background or your experience, you know, as an SFO. Okay. I like to think of my uh, education career started in uh, elementary school. <laughs> oh, that's a good start. <laughs> yeah. It's an early well, start. I, start I came, early, right? <laughs> I came to this country from uh, Beirut, Lebanon as a child. I didn't oh, know. Oh, that is right. I forgot. Yes, yes. That was part of the icebreaker, right? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was. That was an icebreaker we did. Yep. All right. You know, throughout my educational career as a student, you know, there, I had some really good teachers that, that helped me along the way. And, you know, you don't realize it as a child, but as you get older, you know, I, as I think back and reflect upon my, my childhood and going through education, you know, it's, it, it was some of those teachers that took the time to spend with me 
that, you know, now or, or, you know, early on what started in my educational career was, you know, my responsibility that I felt that to give back and why I love education so much and why I feel a need to, to be part of, of public education here in, in the U.S. Um, I started teaching around 1999 at university after I got my MBA degree. And then I did that for about 10 or 11 years. Uh, in between there, I ran for my local school board. I won a seat, and that's when I really learned the back end of education. The oh, you were on the board too. I didn't know you were. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's a different perspective for sure there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You see both sides for sure. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Especially in, in where, where I was, you know, in a short period of time, I think in three years, we went through four superintendents. Wow. So what? Was, yeah. It was Holy really cow. a tumultuous time. Yeah, for sure. So three years kind of seemed like 10. So, um, <laughs> but you're still smiling. So that's good. Yeah. Yep. From there, I, that's where I discovered the, the business of education. And I realized, you know, God. there, there is an avenue there for, for folks who, you know, want to do some good stuff, but maybe not necessarily in front of a classroom. So, you know, there, there's always economics and finance associated with all, all organizations and education is no different. Right. So I started as a director of finance in a private school in Jersey City and then successively moved my way up through to larger and larger school districts, eventually becoming superintendent of schools in New Jersey until that one day in January where I, I woke up and there was 24 inches of snow on the ground and I had just shoveled my driveway and then the plow <laughs> had just put all that snow back. You know how they put the yeah. snow back? And We, all, we know that all too well here in New York. And you had another two feet to shovel. <laughs> <laughs> Hard snow. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, I said to my wife, why do we do this? And she's like, I agree. And I said, well, if we could do what we do somewhere else where we don't have to do this, why not? And that's when I started looking. That was January. Wow. By the following January, I was in California. I wow. got to follow this guy, Lee, because I love <laughs> it in California. Because, now Jack, how many how people, including us, say, why do we live in New York? Why do we deal with this? And then you just go through the vicious cycle year after year. But, Victor, you actually took the leap and made a change. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's good stuff. East to West. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and it's also encouraging to hear that you had such a positive experience as a student that that correlated to your profession long term. I mean, that's that's really inspiring, and I'm I'm glad you had such a positive experience um, as a student. So, you know, obviously you, you moved out to the West Coast. Can you tell us a little bit more specifically about your work as a business official in New Jersey, and now your work as a school business official? in California? Like what's the difference and, you know, what are some similarities that you can kind of offer up, you know, going from coast to coast? I think in addition to um, the differences from coast to coast, we, there's always, there's always differences. It doesn't even have to be coast to coast. I'll put it that way. You know, you work in a school district of 700 students and you work in a school district of 25,000 students. The job is very different, although the right. title is the same. Right. So, but specifically between New Jersey, California, you know, a lot of it comes down to funding. Um, how public schools are funded in New Jersey is very different than how they're funded in California. Um, California has a much deeper hand by the government in, in what happens in public education. In New Jersey, it's more along the lines of, of the dollar amount in funding, and it's not the, the, the hand in public education on the political side isn't as heavy Okay. Um, on the New Jersey side. Uh, so th there's more local control in, in, in Jersey than California. Is that safe to say? There is. There, well, 
there is more local control by the Board of Education. Right. Um, and in California, it's still a lot of local control, but they they really adhere to a more strict and, and more heavily, um, what's the word, uh, more heavily regulated and guidelines that they have to follow, policies, procedures. And, you know, there's new stuff that comes down every year and, you know, seems to be every few months. And in New Jersey, wasn't as much as changing so much year to year as it is, as it does here in California. Interesting. And, and, and how... Do the boards of education in California respond to those constant changes? I mean, I'm guessing it's just kind of part of the deal, like they're used to it now. But was it a big change for you moving from Jersey out to California and, and kind of seeing that change? It was. I, I think, you know, you, people run for a school board for different reasons. Right. And I think, uh, you know, once you realize what where where the board members are coming from, then it gets you a better understanding of the overall dynamic and complexities of individual boards. In New Jersey, even in small districts, I had nine member boards. In California, most of them here are five. Okay. Even okay. even in larger districts, it's a five member board. So, you know, you you can get a potential changeover in one election. Whereas in New Jersey, if you have a nine member board and there's three seats up every year, you the board can't turn over completely. Yeah, an election cycle. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big difference here. So when, because okay. there's only five, the, the majority of the board has the potential to change over more frequently. Mm. Interesting stuff. Well, you know, keeping in, in, in this conversation about California, because we've done a little research here, you know, we've heard that, uh, you know, property taxes are capped, right? Um, and, and that's something really so interesting because, I mean, our taxes are, are so high over here because of property. I mean, you just, you know it already. So um, could you maybe enlighten us on that and, and maybe some of the challenges that that might present for districts? And then my, I have actually a two-part question because I want to know some of the other bigger challenges too. But if you could maybe tell us first about, you know, how the taxes being capped really, really plays out there. Sure. And, you know, that that weighed into my decision moving out here. It, it wasn't just the, the sunshine and you know, uh, it wasn't Hollywood enough. and the beaches and <laughs> everything you see in, in TV and movies. Um, you know, us us business folks had to work out the financials and make sure things made sense. So in New Jersey, which has one of the, the highest property tax rates in, in the country, um, I think New York as well. So I had a I had a house and I was paying almost twenty thousand dollars a year in property tax. Yep. And you told me. Yeah. in California, your property taxes are based on the purchase price of your house when you buy it. And it's roughly 1%. So whatever the house purchase price is, it's 1%. Now there are other special assessments that can go above and beyond that, but they're typically small. They're like, you know, a, a, a you know, it could be 0.01%, percent whatever it is. So all in all, it might be anywhere between one and 1.2% of whatever the, the purchase price of your house was. Now that only, that doesn't go up, even though the the value of your property goes up. Let's say you buy a house for for a million dollars, and a million dollars doesn't buy a huge house here. You know, in New Jersey, we, know. Very <laughs> we got a little shack. <laughs> in New Jersey, it's very very different. So a million dollar house there, a million dollar house here, but a million dollar house in New Jersey, property tax could be forty or fifty thousand dollars a year. Right. A million yep. dollar house in California, your property tax is ten thousand. Wow. So that's a huge difference. And you're so, locked into that, correct? Yeah, I mean, and you're locked in. And it's cats. Yeah. the assessment goes up each year, but it doesn't impact your overall property tax as much as it does in New Jersey. 
in a span of 15 years that I own my house in New Jersey, my property taxes doubled. Here, yeah, yeah. I've been in California now seven years and they've gone up maybe 15%, 16%. So, um, you know, it's, it's very different how, how mm -hmm. those property taxes are set. And in New Jersey, your, our, our school budget was based, the school boards would set the local tax levy for education. Mm -hmm. So the, the school board works together with the administration. We set the, the budget and then we put it out to the voters to say, here's our school budget and they can either vote it up or vote it down. In California, we don't have that. We don't vote on our budgets. We we're just given an allotment from the state. This is how much you're going to get. And this is what you have to, those are the parameters that you have to work within. And so what are some of the major, I'm guessing there's funding categories that the state gives you. Uh, so so you're basically backing into their number. So what changes typically year to year with the state's number? So back before 2011, it used to be categoricals. So you get X dollars for this and X dollars for that and X dollars for that. In 2012, the governor at that time, he changed the entire funding formula for public schools and he called it the uh, local control funding formula, LCFF. And what that did was it took away all the categoricals and just gave a pot of money to school districts based on the attendance rate of that school district. Oh, so okay. let's say you get roughly $10,000 per average daily attendance students. And that's what it was. So, and then you spend that money however you want. The only caveat within that was there's a, there's a block of money that you get above and beyond that called supplemental and concentration. So if you have, a higher population of um, EL students, homeless students, foster students, you would get additional dollars based okay. on the number of, of those. Equitable. So That's it was good. a base plus additional, depending on your, your, your student groups. Okay. Cause I was going to say, as, as you were, as you were describing that, you know, the cost of educating students that are special needs or uh, English language learners, there's usually an additional cost to that. So it's encouraging to hear that that is taken into consideration with this state funding formula. Now, we also know you guys have uh, the Proposition 98, right? I mean, which I guess ties in what you're saying, you know, and that, that sets up a rammer on school funding. And uh, we just noticed that this year, I mean, California has a plethora of initiatives and, and mandates down, coming down the pike. You know, we even saw one about a, a tool to eject disruptors at, at, at the public board meetings. I mean, what was that about? I was crazy. But, um, you know, what, what are some of the other big ticket items? Because I think I just asked this question in particular because California seems to be a leading, one of the leading states as far as with education and making certain changes. And so to know some of this capacity spread around the country would be important to hear. So Prop 98 is, that's the official term of the proposition that changed mm -hmm. the LCFF, which I just described a little bit earlier. And what that did was that set a floor on school funding. Now that floor by the legislature and the governor is a lot of times treated as a ceiling. So even though it's a minimum amount that schools are guaranteed, that's typically what we get. Now, what happens because the property, the, the tax structure here in California is very different than it is in New Jersey. So Prop 98 basically says 42 cents of every tax dollar collected by the state goes to public education. Okay. So if the state collects more, then the schools get more. 
if the state collects less, the schools get less. So you can imagine the ups and downs and the ties to econo the economy here in California when there's good years and bad years, how that impacts public education. For sure. Wow. So oh that, that's, that's the roller coaster we deal with like every year. And when times are good and, and the governor collect, government collects above and beyond you know, what they expect, what happens is they, they, they give us the additional dollars, but a lot of times they attach strings to it. So even okay. though in 2012 we moved away from those categorical dollars, mm -hmm. when there's where's money above and beyond and the state collects additional money, they don't just give it to the schools as discretionary dollars. They'll say, we want you to do after-school programs with wow. this. You have we to spend it in that do, respect. Yeah. We want wow. you to do teacher professional development with this money. We want you to do a summer program with this money. So then they they slowly bring back those categoricals with with these with these one-time dollars. And they become one-time dollars because you don't know how the economy is gonna go from year to year. Got it. Wow. So when we met last month too, you did mention how, you know, we all have the same fiscal year, right? You know, we end in June 30th, we start June 1st, but you, you know, your budget doesn't get adopted to June. And I, when you're telling me this is how there's certain restrictions too and how you have to spend. How's it work when you have to, you know, real quick, turn over that budget and then finalize everything in that one month? Yeah, uh, a lot of, uh, I, I don't want to say guesswork, but a lot of strategic forecasting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so this is how our budget cycle goes. The In January, the governor gives his proposed budget for the following year, which starts July 1. And then him and the legislature work through all these pieces. And then in May, the governor comes out and gives what's called a May revise. So he adjusts his proposal from where it was in January based on the conversations he has with the legislature and based upon whatever the tax collections were between January and April. We use those numbers to come up with our budget and the way that we do, we have to take it for a public hearing at a board meeting for uh, at the first meeting in June. And then our second board of education meeting is when we could do adoption. We have to have like a two week period between to give the public an opportunity to comment or um, give us some feedback and input. Now, the law in California says the, the legislature doesn't have to pass the state budget till June 30th. Wow. But schools have to pass their budget before June 30th. So yeah, we a lot of times where you know they'll make changes past May into June, um, and we always end up having to make some changes and revisions after we cross the fiscal year. Wow, that's they, a lot of work. Yeah, they threw a caveat in there. They call it the um, uh, uh, it's we they give us a window to update our approved budget in August. Okay. Oh, okay. So, um, we do do that. So we kind of start the year in, in limbo if the, the state doesn't pass the budget. And then Got we it. just make our adjustments after July 1st. That's not that's not too bad. At least it gives you the opportunity because what if you got to set it from June 30th on? That's got to be something, you know, and they switch up on you. Like, how are you going to really, you know, balance that out? But um, it's good to see they have that. It's good. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's tough. Like, you can imagine, and I think everybody went through this, but during COVID, you know, when state collections were down because everything was basically shut down, they were, you know, we were told we had to make 10% cut. And for us at a $225 million budget, that's $22.5 million. Wow. And we were told that like in May. Wow. So 
<laughs> yeah, that, oh, that was going to be part of my question. So you you had mentioned earlier in kind of outlining this local funding mechanism, uh, which you know is driven from the state, really. But in tough economic times, it, I'm assuming there isn't like a safe harmless pr- uh, provision where you you're never going to get a reduction. It sounds like there could be reductions in future years depending on the economic state. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know the the the. The odd part of that is they put a cap on how much we can keep in reserves. So right so, now it's ten wow. percent. We can't keep more than ten percent of our of our prior year expenditures. Okay, as that's better than us. The reserve four. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, wow. Yeah. And so and is that because for us we have different categories of reserves that we can appropriate to, and then we have a a four percent cap. But is yours just ten percent overall of your total budget? It's it's ten percent overall. Um, we have uh, another fund, we call it Fund 17, which you could put money aside for future okay. expenses. Okay. But that rolls up into our general fund, so it still includes the, the so 10%. That, so that 10% includes, like, if you have, you know, because for us, like, we'll have a, a teacher's retirement reserve. If that goes up, you know, we can we can make adjustments if it goes up quickly. Um, or we'll have a capital reserve, right? Um, or unemployment reserve, workers' comp. So we have many different reserves, but... They have definition defined by law. General Mr. Law will tell you, look, here's what you could do with them. And then, you know, you set your, your reserve plan each year. So our 4% is mostly on our, our unassigned fund balance, if you will. But you're saying, the ten, just to clear, the 10% is on everything you could have. Yeah, there's no... Except for the 17. Yeah, right, there's no separate funds for any other reserves. What the board can okay. do is the board can do a board resolution and commit okay. those funds for future expense. Appropriate, got it. Okay, and okay. then and then it, it gets set aside, but very mm-hmm. few boards do that. Yeah, because you told me that if they try to raise a tax, and this is true, right? That they don't necessarily they can't. They, you're given a certain amount each year, n- no matter what that is, right? And like you said, there's no sense of anybody going out because why would they pay high? Why would they vote higher, right? Yeah, they, there's no. There's no, you, we get what we get, period. Story's over. There, there's no, hey, we need more money. Everyone says we need more money, but we, we get the, the set dollar amount per student plus that supplemental concentration, and that's right. it. You got to make it work within, within that. Now, keep in mind, and I think we're all experiencing this, in an era of declining enrollment, we're funded not on the enrollment piece, but we're, we're funded on the average daily attendance. Right. So we have 17,000 kids, but we run a 95, 96% attendance rate. So we're, we're only getting 95, 96% of, for, for each student that's here. And when the overall number of students goes down, our overall funding goes down. Yeah. So you'll see a year over year increase, like a cost of living adjustment. Let's say it's 5%. But in reality, that 5% for most of us who are in declining enrollment is closer to 1% or 2%. Because the year-over-year dollars are representative of Mm. the year-over-year number of students. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, a lot of challenges out there. I didn't know it was like that. I was going to ask you about the teacher shortages, the strikes, and stagnant (laughs) pay, but that's that's a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) And and just one last question on that 10%. Do you you see in California most districts are going right to that 10%? Because it, it sounds like you're really subject to the economic state, which can you know, ebb and flow. Are, are most districts trying to get and maintain that 10% year to year? I think it's always a goal. Um, 
but it's it's pretty hard when you have the especially now so you're coming out of covid and we got a a, a, a tremendous amount of stimulus money that went in and you know we hired staff and we created programs and and this is the this is what really handcuffs us a lot moving forward is whether it's through stimulus or good economic times, you get one-time dollars above and beyond whatever your allocation is. You know, you do good things for kids with it, but then the money ends, runs out, right. and, you know, they're good programs, they're good opportunities for kids, and then the board doesn't want to cut any of that. The public doesn't want to see all that get away. So some of that, or most of it, gets absorbed into the general fund, and then that kind of eats away at, at your fund balance year over year over year. Right, and that's not sustainable. I mean... 10% sounds good, but if you're relying on it year after year to fund your, your program and your general fund, you know, there's going to be an endpoint at some time unless there's a influx of cash somewhere. And, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest differences between New Jersey, California. So in New, in New Jersey, we do our budget. It's, it's a, um, uh, it's a balanced budget when we go out. Yes. In California, it's not. So For real? Yeah. You can have a deficit? You every most school districts in California are deficit spending. Oh yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so we're a lot out here. Yep, yep. Expenditures have to match. Yeah, statutorily we have to adopt a, yeah. a balanced budget. With that's so interesting. You can so. imagine when I came here and I'm sitting in the room of our county meeting, I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> These numbers aren't adding up. <laughs> what, what What do you mean deficit spending? I, I just, like, what? Just throw it on, on the wall. In, in any financial world, as as right. financial manager, like, no, no, everyone does it. Every, like, it's it's okay, everybody does. <laughs> so that, I, that I, was that was the biggest thing I had to really come to. That's a big with. thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Because you're yeah. ingrained in balanced budgeting, right? Yeah. So to then just throw it out the window has to be kind of tough to to course correct a little bit. I will tell you, and you know, you you asked Jack about you know being an SFO and you know having the resources of ASBO International and, and seeing mm -hmm. how other you know other school districts do things and, and being able to talk with with our, our our fellow peers and such. I'll say I, I've been here now seven years and we're in our third year now of finishing the year without any deficit spending. That's so great. Wow. even That's though really it's an good, accepted man. practice here, it's not ingrained in me. <laughs> right. and, and it never will be because right. I, I just don't see how, how that works. It's not it's not really prudent financial management for, for long term success. When you have to make it up the next year, if you, if you go in red. Yeah. That, so that's what happens. You eat up your, your fund balance and you yeah. start even lower next year. Yeah. But this is so you go with the waves, you know, so you have Got good it. economics. So you get more money one year. So you mm -hmm. might have, you know, you, you might add two or three million to your fund balance. And okay. then you overspend or your deficit spend, and then you eat up that two, three million. So you kind right. of, it's an ebb and flow depending on, on how good the economy is and, and how good you are at managing your, your finances. Okay. So I, I do want to transition to a, a little bit lighter of a topic. We've been getting really into the weeds with uh, California's <laughs> funding and deficit spending. It's a lot of challenges, but that being said, the, um, how long have you been a part of ASBO International? You had mentioned the importance of it in the SFO. Um, and what areas of the organization are you actively involved in right now? I think I became a member probably in 2008 or 2009 um, when I first started out. I think when you first start out, you're always looking for some resources and sure. you know, mm -hmm. anyone who wants to talk to you and help you. <laughs> yeah, you'll take what you can get, right? <laughs> 
I think we all need it. And you know what I say, you know, 15 or 18 years later, we still, I still need it. And it's still, you know, it's yeah. great to, to have, and I don't know how you get along without it. Um, but I will tell you, I am SFO number seven. Seven? Awesome. Ooh, seven. the seventh one of yeah. all? Yeah. Was it seven? Oh. seven or 11? I don't remember. It was either seven or 11. Seven I remember 11. When, <laughs> <laughs> I remember when it first came out and I'm like, wow, this is, this is something that, you know, I, I wanted to work toward. And I, I took the test and, you know, I've, I've continued the, the professional development behind it to sustain it. And, you know, to me, I think it's, it's really, it's, it's great. That's great. That's great. Awesome. And then just a follow up to that, you know, as being an official podcast of Asbel International, we're, we're really trying to reach out to uh, memberships across the state. And, and we noticed that California is a little light in membership on Asbel International. Um, you being out there now for, uh, for seven years plus, what, what do you think could be more beneficial to the state organization from Asbo International's umbrella? You know, I, I found that a little strange too when, when I got here. Uh, I think there's a lot of different associations here. So they have California oh, okay. ASBO, they have uh, Association of California School Administrators. There, there's a whole slew of, of different resources. Mm -hmm. And the, the school districts here are heavily reliant on county offices for support, especially some of the smaller districts. Mm -hmm. And you get some of that, that support from there. I, I kind of just chalk it as there's not as much of a of a presence here for for some reason. I I think you know maybe a a, a satellite or or a large group or to hold some of the um, I think last year's conference was in Oregon, which was which was good. Mm -hmm. And a few folks from California reached out to me if I if I was going or not. You know, and I, I understand that it's really expensive to do things here in California, but you know mm -hmm. that to me is a potential uh, position. Yeah, you. Yeah. You mentioned that, uh, Victor, when we spoke and I told you, I said, listen, can you believe it? How, you know, the numbers are. And I guess we're similarly facing that in New York. But, I mean, you got to let them know about the benefits. We got to get it right. But we want Cal, you want New York. Uh, so, I mean, how do you think they could benefit? You know, especially since you, you said you went to Oregon, you came back and reported. Did you see you could provide value for them so they could see that? Well, I think one of the things, the steps that I took was... I've been doing the certificate of excellence in financial reporting. So I'm going on our third year now and I tout at every meeting and every time we do our audit that we're the only district in to, in the, in the County to get that actually in Southern wow. California. Awesome. So, and now I got, I got other, other, uh, we call them CBOs here, chief business officials, okay. uh, asking what is that? And where, where are you getting that? Because, you know, I, I tout it. Our board touts it. They they tweet it out. They they put it out there, and you know it's it's really a mark of distinction. I think for for the yes. school district, and I think some others are are asking about it now. And that's you know, I've been I've been playing it up as to you mm -hmm. know the benefits of of being part of the organization and some of the things that that are available and resources that that we can use. That's great because they don't uh, know. No, they don't know. They don't know. We're doing an episode or not? Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll throw out at our public at, at our county meetings also. You know, we one of the things I really like is you know I, you get the morning digest of when people post things on the on the on the chat and asking for resources, information, right. sharing of information. You know, when topics come up at our county meetings, I share them with other CBOs and I say they're like, "Well, where'd you get that?" I'm like, "Well, I got it from Joe from Arkansas." Right, right. <laughs> like, how do you right. know Joe from Arkansas? I'm like, well, Asbo International. Yeah, there yeah. you go. All right. Good stuff. 
Well, Victor, we appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, because, like I said, meeting you, I mean, you're like the, the Dos Equis. Like, you know everything. I mean, you've been a superintendent, board member. Um, it, can I even mention, like, how you, because you, you told me this, like, and I, you told some of the group how, like, how you made the transition, because you were in law enforcement too prior, right? I was, yeah. So what, so if without giving it away, how'd you make the jump from law enforcement into school business? So I was a police officer in Wayne, New Jersey, and I got injured in the line of duty. And I wanted to continue my public service. And my wife was a teacher at the time. And, you know, and I had been teaching at the university. And that's when I decided I ran for the school board. And then that's how I discovered school business. And that's, I said, you know what? This is going to be my next step in public service. So hey, you ran with it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. It, yeah. well, uh, well, Victor, thank you so much. You know, grinding down here, we always offer our guests an opportunity to impart advice on our listenership. So whether you're speaking to a brand new school business official who had just started in his or her job or somebody who has been in the seat for 30 years, what kind of advice could you impart today? I'd say two things. Uh, one is we all need each other. None of us can do it on our own. And it's always, no matter whether you've been in the business for a year or 20 years, there's always value in reaching out to your colleagues for, for support and, and resources. And I think we had mentioned at the editorial review meeting, even for, for, for a shoulder to cry on, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, the second the second part of, piece of advice I would say is understand the politics, but don't be part of the politics. Mm, That's really good. I like that. I like that one. I mean, that might be a title right there. Right. Understand <laughs> yeah. the politics, but don't be part of the politics. <laughs> That's why it's a school title. board. <laughs> and if you could figure that one out, then let me know. <laughs> good advice. Better. Good luck, wow. too. Like, Vic, this is great. Uh, we couldn't imagine a podcast episode being this great, man. Uh, so thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, so and, and one last question before we let you go. Do you miss shoveling snow at all? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody. I do, a, I do keep an ice scraper in, in my shed here just as a reminder. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can look at it every once hey, in a while. There was snow, there was snow in the uh, Hollywood Mountains when I was out there. I was out there for the break, um, you know, like I guess the 20s, 20-something around in February. And unbelievable. This hadn't happened in years. But there was some snow up in those mountains, man. It was yeah. it was a freak thing. But I know you're not, you're not going to get snowed out where you are. <laughs> so, yeah. We were in Palm was... Springs. It was 95, but you were looking at snow-capped mountains. Wow. Yeah, that's very, awesome. very, that's very, the life, my man. That's it. Awesome. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you so much, Victor. We really appreciate uh, your time today. Sure. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thank you again for tuning into SBO Perspectives today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation with Victor. Uh, he's really done a lot uh, in his career, everything from superintendent uh, to business official to board member, like you name it, he's done it all. I mean, even prior law enforcement, who, who would have known, right? Um, yeah. yeah. And his early learning shows how much importance what we do, but, right? And backing up education for him to be so motivated and become so successful. But I got to ask you one impact. question before we get off. My question is this. Are you ready to move to California? <laughs> Dude, I mean, Man, he, it's he a different good. animal out there. That, I got to tell you that. You know, the I way know. they do budget, I mean, deficits. Deficit I mean, spending, that's bizarre you know, to me. And a lot, seem like a lot more restrictions, but, you right. know, and, and the caps and stuff like that and a prop 48. But 
But if I mean, it's sunny and, and clear 99% uh, of the year, I mean, something I like California rays, it? man. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, right, but, right. But this is great. We really thank uh, him for coming on. So listeners, I mean, every week we're giving it to you. So um, stay, stay in tune. Stay for more every day, every week, I should say. Um, SEO Perspectives, we're coming your way. Yeah, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.